0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've given the right answer, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Um, You know, we are distracted by so many things in our lives. And the more that we find focus, the more we pay attention to the things that matter, I think you'll find that we get a lot more out of life and we see more of God working in the world around us. So that's part of what we're talking about during this, this series. Now, many of you got one of these name tags. Some of you may have not put one on. I invite you just for the sake of humoring your brand new pastor, you know, who's having se- you know questions about, do people really like me? This is a way you can show me that you like me by putting this name tag on. I promise you can take it off before you get to lunch, okay? You don't have to wear this around all day long. But if you didn't get one, I'm sorry, I think we ran out today, we'll print more next time that we do this. So be sure to put this on and I'll talk about it a little bit more in the sermon today. You know, when, when Jesus is starting this parable that Robert read to us in the scripture and talked about in our children's moment today, he's telling this parable because there is a man, a lawyer, who is actually asking him a question. The lawyer asks him a question. What can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers by stating a question. Well, what do you think? Right? And the man finds the right answer. He's a lawyer. He's expected to. Now, you have to understand a lawyer at this time would have been somebody who is an expert in the religious laws, an expert in what God expects people to do. And so when we're talking about a lawyer, we're talking about somebody who should know the answer. But he comes to Jesus anyway and says, what's the answer? Jesus doesn't answer directly. He doesn't say in black and white, this is what truly matters. Jesus wants to lead him to, this, to the answer. And when the lawyer then says, but, but who is my neighbor, right? Who is my neighbor? How far do I have to go in loving other people? Jesus, again, does not answer in black and white. He tells a parable, a story, to sort of draw the man into thinking more creatively and widely as to who his neighbor is. I just want to point out before we move on in the story that this is so like Jesus. We want to know a simple answer. We want to know, is this right or is it wrong? And Jesus ends up telling us a story. And I think there's a reason for this. It's because when things are just spelled out for us in black and white, we can move on. But I think what the Bible wants us to do, what God wants us to do, is to really live into this question and explore the fullness of what it is so that we can see with our whole eyes what God wants to show to us. So let's look at the story so that we can look with our whole eyes. There's a story, a parable, a story told by Jesus about a man who is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, you need to know that going from Jerusalem to Jericho is a long journey for people living during that time, but you can probably make that drive in a little under an hour, maybe a little over an hour. But that is a steep journey, because Jerusalem is high up on top of a mountainous area, whereas Jericho is is getting closer and closer to sea level or even below sea level. Archaeologists believe that the city of Jericho, which is close to the Dead Sea, is the oldest continued human vicinity or human neighborhood in the world. Now, there were other places that were inhabited before Jericho, but all of those have sort of fallen away. Jericho has been continuously inhabited during its existence. So Jericho is very low to the ground in almost a desert area, whereas Jerusalem is high up. So that's why it says the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now we don't really know much about this man, do we? The parable says there's a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's all we know about him. Now we can assume that this man was likely Jewish. He was likely Uh, a Jewish person because Jesus does not go out of his way to name him as anything other than just a man. So we assume that this is a Jewish man, not an Alabama student, okay? A Jewish man going down the road, going down the road when he encounters these robbers. These robbers who are waiting for somebody to pass by at the right moment. They can take advantage of of this person being defenseless, alone. Rob him, beat him up, leave him for dead, and that's what happens. Jesus doesn't really tell anything more than that at the beginning of the story. But I guarantee you that everybody who hears that story, from the people listening like that lawyer back at the early days of Jesus and his ministry, to now, all of us have the same reaction Well, that man didn't deserve it, right? That's what we all think. That man didn't deserve it. Those robbers treated him like a nobody. Like he didn't matter. They left him for dead. They took all of his belongings and left. They didn't alert anybody. They didn't call 911. They didn't do anything. They treated him like a nobody. And everyone who hears that story assumes That he's not a nobody, right? That he is a somebody. Leviticus chapter 19 says that we should love others just as we love ourselves. The people who hear the story assume that this man is a somebody, at least a God. Now you know why we have these name tags. Hello, my name is somebody. Please humor me again. Please say out loud, I am somebody. I am somebody, I am somebody to God. I am somebody. Now, now you can look at your neighbor and say, you are somebody. You are somebody. And, and if you are all alone on the live stream, let me tell you, you are somebody. We are all somebody to God, aren't we? We are all somebody to God. We matter to God. And this man who is beaten up, left for dead, that we have no information as to who he is other than he is on his journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, is a somebody, even though the robbers treat him like a nobody. Have you ever felt ignored? Or have you ever felt like you didn't matter, that people just kind of pass by and don't pay attention to you? That's a failing sometimes of human beings. We're not paying attention. We're not looking at people and and assessing how they are. Sometimes we just look the other way. But our, our worth as human beings has nothing to do with how other people think we are. It has all to do with who God thinks we are. While grace teaches us that we may not be worthy of God God deems that we are worth it. Why else would he send his own son to us? God believes we are worth it. We are somebody to God. We are somebody to Jesus Christ. We all need to realize that about this passage, that even this man that we know little about needs a good neighbor, somebody who is going to be there for him. And that leads us to the next two people in the story we have the priest and the Levite who walk by. We have acolytes that know this story by heart in this church. I hope you do too. You know, these two people are also, it seems, walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. They're walking down the path. They're not going to Jerusalem. They're leaving Jerusalem, going to Jericho. Now, priests and Levites are two people that work in the temple area or in the worship life of Jewish people. The priests, of course, were the ones leading worship, sacrifices and prayers and all of that in the temple. And Levites were descendants of an important person in Jewish history, one of the 12 uh, brothers, the 12 tribes of Israel, Levi. And Levites were involved in helping, assisting the priests in worship. Both of them were involved in holy work. I don't know if you know this, but the word holy means to be set aside for something. Set aside for something. Priests and Levites were set apart from society to do holy work, important work, to serve God and to serve the people. So these are people dedicated to service. Remember that word, service. They're leaving Jerusalem. They're going down to Jericho and each of them separately by themselves walking down the road sees a man beaten up left for dead and what do they do do they live into their calling as people set aside for service no they walk on by and Jesus seems to make a point that they walk by on the other side does he just add that in or is he meaning that they were walking sort of directly in the path of this man, left for dead, and they decide to sort of go across to the other side of the road so they didn't have to come close. We don't know the answer to that. But I can tell you that priests and Levites have to focus on their own holiness. They have to focus on their own holiness. If you're not aware of this, some of the work that they do in the temple requires them to be what we would call ritually clean. They have to stay away from anything profane, anything sinful, anything that might sort of make them unclean and unworthy to be in the presence of God in the temple. One of those things includes touching a dead body. The priests should not do that right before they're going into work. So some scholars have said maybe Jesus telling this story is saying that the priest and the Levite Maybe they were distracted by their calling, trying to be holy and set aside and and not get unclean so that they would have to sit on the sidelines in the temple so that they could, in fact, do their very important work. They were too busy with their jobs to help this man. There are some other scholars like Amy Jo Levine who thinks that that's just not the case because she says they're going from Jerusalem to Jericho, which means they're going away from the temple so that they had already done their work. So were they distracted by their own busyness, by the things that they needed to do in Jericho after they had been in Jerusalem for a time serving in the temple? Were they just too busy to stop, or did they simply not care? We don't really know the answer to that. Maybe it is that they had to do This important work, and they had to remain clean. But it doesn't seem like that was a good excuse, at least to Jesus, for what they did. They were so distracted, it would seem, from doing what was right in front of them, helping the person right in front of them, because of all the other things going on in their minds and in their hearts. That leads us again to the third person in the story, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is the third person walking along the road. And again, he's walking along the road, and he, like the priest and the Levite, see the man, but instead of passing by on the other side, he actually goes over to the man to help him. He goes over to the man, he revives him, he tends to his wounds, says he pours olive oil on his wounds to kind of keep out bacteria, he tends to him, and then he gets him off the road. He doesn't leave him there. He takes him down to Jericho, we would assume, where he finds an innkeeper, and he asks the innkeeper to tend to the man now that he has to go on his way. Notice that the Good Samaritan did what he could. He helped the man, and then he knew he had to leave. He could not stay. And so what does he do? He doesn't just say, well, my part is done. He actually tells the innkeeper, I need your help. I'm entrusting the next stage of caring for this man into your hands. Here's money. Here's some resources. I'm asking you to do it. Now, if you end up spending more than I'm giving you, don't worry. I promise I will come back, and I will repay you whatever you spend. Do you see what the man does? The Good Samaritan sees the man. He's not an expert in the law. He's not set aside for service he actually responds and he goes to the man and helps him. And when he reaches the limit of what he's able to do, even though he most likely took time that he wasn't planning on to help this man, now that he's up to his limit, he actually goes and asks the innkeeper to take on the rest. I think one of the things that this reminds us of is that the church does not ask us to be superheroes of faith. We are not supposed to be Superman to save everybody we come into contact with, but we can be like the Good Samaritan and help the person with what expertise or area of care we have, and then we can help them get to the next place that can help them, whether it be a ministry in the church, a ministry in the community, or helping them find the care that they need. Often, pastors will be the kind of people that can help people With certain things maybe a few sessions of counseling or a few sessions of helping them deal with things but often we have to refer to go beyond what we're capable of to the experts but we never shut our doors to people who need that help and I think the same can go for us you know I'm going to tell you a secret you probably know this I hope you do if not this is important for you to know every Christian is a minister every Christian is a minister You know, in the Jewish faith, one of the things they talk about nowadays is that every Jew is a Levite, meaning they're set aside for service to God. The same thing goes for Christians. Every Christian is a minister. Every one of us is part of what Peter calls the the priesthood of all believers. Robert and I and others get to wear these fancy robes and these green stoles. I know you all wish you had these. Not everybody is called to be a pastor. There are more important jobs out there. There are different callings for each and every one of us. Some of us are called to be in service with children or youth, with folks with memory issues. Some of us are called to be in urban ministry. Some of us are called to go into international ministry. Sometimes we're just called to be good neighbors to the people right next door. And some of us are called to be neighbors to people across town. But we all get distracted, don't we? I know I do. I get distracted from doing what's right in front of me or helping the people right in front of me. Sometimes it could be a distraction of time. Like maybe, maybe the other two in the story felt that they had to get on to the next thing. Sometimes we can feel like we just don't have enough time. Time is too precious, right? But sometimes we can make more time than we realize or that we will acknowledge, right? We can add a little bit more time or we can find things to cut in order to give and serve other people. Sometimes we're distracted by all the things we've already signed up to, forgetting that sometimes we can say, you know what, things in my life has changed. This is not really the season for me to do this. I really need to move my attention here. One of the other distractions we may face is fear. I don't know what's going to happen, right? I wonder, I wonder if maybe the priest and the Levite had fear that if they went over there, it could have been a trap and maybe the robbers had not left, right? We have those fears and we're not telling you to cast aside all fears. You need to be careful. You need to be wise in everything you do, but we shouldn't let our fears hold us back from doing what's right, and good for those in need around us. And then sometimes, of course, we have this sort of distraction that we're not experts at what is needed, and so maybe somebody else will do it. When I was recruiting junior high Sunday school or middle school, high, uh, middle school Sunday school teachers back when, as a youth director, I remember asking people, we really need a, a, a teacher for our Sunday school class. Would you do it? And, and there would be a pause over the phone. And they would say, well, well, Mike, I, I just don't know enough about the Bible to be a Sunday school teacher. And I said, hey, good news. The middle school te- kids know less than you do. You'll be fine, you know. I tried to get rid of that expertise thing, but still there were a few people that said, well, just, you never know. But we forget sometimes there are other people. There are staff members. There are authors we can turn to to help find the answers and sometimes we can just tell the kids I don't know the answer to that let's try to figure that out together so the fear of expertise we can help along the way and then we can refer or help them find help in the next phase from somebody who knows a little bit more and then I think we're distracted by thinking that there are other people that can take care of it other people other than me or you right Every ministry in our church needs somebody. Every ministry and mission needs people who will volunteer their time, talents, resources. Every one of them probably has an opening right now that somebody needs to step into. Somebody in the church needs to volunteer for. Somebody in the church needs to say, yes, here I am. I'm willing to do whatever I can Now turn to your neighbor and say, you are somebody. (laughs) And say, I am somebody. (laughs) Friends, the church needs somebody. And guess what? You're somebody. (laughs) See what I did there? Okay. We are all somebody. We can do something. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And I don't know what it is. You know, you may get that QR code that is in the bulletin, or when you get it in the mail, you may get that QR code and look at all those things, and you might say, "I have no idea where I'm going to serve this fall. I have no idea what God is calling me to do." And, and don't just, don't just pick something like throwing a, a dart at the dartboard, trying to figure out what to do. Pray. Stop. Think about it. Ask your friends. Ask your family. What am I good at? Where would I be good to serve? You know, ask these kind of questions and then prayerfully consider where you might sign up. Talk to somebody who's on staff and ask, what can I do? And if you're not sure where to start, just start praying for a ministry. We all need prayer partners too. There are ways for you to serve. You are somebody the church needs. We all are somebody that can help someone in their state of need whether it be somebody beaten up on the side of the road or a lonely neighbor or even somebody who's in a program in the church and they need a volunteer. Friends, the church is all about doing what we can to serve one another and to serve the world around us. We cannot sustain a church without people stepping in to help. It's up to all of us to do what's right we cannot ring up the church and tell robert robert there's a guy on the side of the road we need a samaritan like you to get down there because once you pick up the phone hopefully you remember that you heard in church one time every christian is a minister we are all somebody to god we are all called to serve Let's try to get rid of those distractions. Let's be honest about what qualifications are needed. Let's be real and honest about what our own limitations are. We can't do everything, but all of us are a somebody who can do something. Let us pray. Holy and living God, we ask for your help, for your guidance, for your spirit to be a part of us as we discern where we can plug in, where we can step in, where we can jump on the field of ministry and serve. Inspire us, motivate us, and help us to take all the steps necessary. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.